1: Live from the 6th and Peabody Studio and across the OutKick Network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. OutKick 360 is back.
2: Tuesday edition is here with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Paul Kuharski will be here shortly. The entire crew. Without making it happen, 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. A lot to hit today. We hit all the headlines. John McClain joins us in hour number two as we discuss the NFL draft and fallout from all the trades, all the movement that happened over the weekend across the uh, National Football League. And in hour number three, Tennessee Lady Vols basketball coach Kelly Harper joins the show. Our chance to chat with her last week. We'll uh, play that interview coming up in hour number three of today's program. Chad, good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon, Hutton. Um, I was surprised last night to uh, find myself watching Braves-Mets oh. over some of the NBA action. This is always the time of year that, it's, it's to me, it's interesting to see what the true sports fan out there, what it, they're, they're drawn to. And I feel like right now in the NBA, I'm only drawn to Grizz Warriors in that series. And I'm not drawn to hockey at all at this point, even though the playoffs started last night. So I watched a lot of uh, Braves-Mets, and I followed this uh, NFL statement on the Cleveland Browns and Hugh Jackson also, (laughs) which I know that we're going to get into, which I find Uh, quite humorous.
2: Well, also, the the comments from uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who commented on his six-game suspension for violating the NFL's PED policy, where he, he, he released a statement through his agent saying, in my 10-year NFL career, I've never tested positive for using performance-enhancing drugs. To so learn that my November test came back with trace elements of a banned substance, I was confused and shocked. I'm very mindful of what I put in my body. I've always taken a holistic approach. So I'm working with my team to investigate how this could have happened. But even as careful as I have been, clearly I was not careful enough. For, for that, I apologize to Cardinals fans, teammates, and the entire Cardinals organization. I never want to let my team down. I fully intend to get to the bottom of this. As soon as I have more information, I will share it. Um, I do want to, in reading this, I say kudos to DeAndre Hopkins for not then saying that he's innocent of whatever this test showed. He is taking responsibility for it, even though he's saying he doesn't know how he popped for it. Because many times the argument is, well, I, I didn't know what was in the supplement. It's, it's the player's job to know what's in certain supplements that they're taking um it, it, you can't just claim ignorance in in regards to this testing policy in, in the NFL so he's not doing that he's not saying like hey i didn't know so i'm i'm I, I shouldn't have to be suspended in fact he's pulled any uh any chance that he has of having the suspension lightened because he's not appealing currently um but Chad this is a huge blow to the Cardinals offense and i'm eager to hear what he finds out on all this I would love for one person to test positive and just
3: come out and say, I I know exactly what this is. I know exactly where I took it. I know exactly who gave it to me, and, yeah, you got me. Sorry, red-handed. Put the hands out for the cuffs. You got me. Six games, that sounds about right because I got this from some guy at my workout facility, and I knew it was probably shady, and I took it anyways, and that's what it is. Um, I hear a statement like this, though, Hutton, and um, it rings to me like he's been taking something – that never got him pop positive before. Yeah. And he's been doing the same thing, and suddenly it had trace amounts of something in it. So, one of two things happened. Either what he was taking, if he's telling the truth on this, okay? I'm going to go with him, at his word, what he said that he's telling the truth on this. Either his, whatever he was taking, supplement whatever, was somehow contaminated, that had something in it that had not had it before.
2: Yeah. Like or a certain he, batch.
3: Or he just got away with it. You know, or for whatever reason, it did not register in previous tests, and he's been doing this his whole career. So he's genuinely surprised because it's the same thing he's always been doing.
2: But on top of the statement that he released through his Twitter account uh, as well, a screenshot of the the statement, he puts, see you in week seven, and then you have the photo of the statement. So he's acknowledging that he's out for six weeks and he's not appealing. Uh, That was the report yesterday that the appeal had been pulled off the table with the league, um, and then it was announced but, Chad, I, I, I tend to lean on his side of things with this explanation uh, without no, knowing further details because of the 10-year career where we have not seen this from him. John McClain covered him for eight years in Houston. And we'll ask John his thoughts on DeAndre Hopkins' suspension for six games. Keep in mind, last year, Cardinals were 8-2 and two with him and then lost down the stretch, what, 3-5, and 3-6 and six down the stretch without him if I'm counting the playoff game, and we should because he didn't play in that game either, um, this is a huge blow to their offense. And, and they don't you know, they don't have certain playmakers that they had last year. Um, Hopkins finishes this – will start the season the way he finished the season. They went three and four down the stretch in the regular season, so three and five total. Um, and now they're asking a lot more out of A.J. Green and uh, Rondell Moore and, and what they're doing at tight end now with Zach Ertz.
3: Well, ultimately you're asking Hollywood a lot more Brown. out of a disgruntled Kyler Murray. That That's where all this gets weird is that you've got a quarterback who wants out as of right now because he's not getting what he wants. And now his top playmaker, his top target is popped for a six-game suspension. So there's a lot of intrigue in Arizona with how this is all going to turn out. But that is a monumental blow to that football team for the first six games.
2: Murray's yards per attempt were 8.8 last year with Hopkins, and fell to 6.6, 25% drop-off in yards per attempt without him. And that was after that they had acquired Zach Ertz via trade. Uh, and they kept him around. They, they've they got him under the franchise tag, I believe, where they've re-signed a multi-year. Um, and, and his quarterback rating, Chad, 108 with him, 89 without him. That That's is crazy. a huge drop-off in production without their top wideout.
3: I mean, what a sales pitch for... His value also for Hopkins. I mean, if you look at those stats, just what he does for the quarterback is incredible. Um, that is going to be a problem for the Cardinals. And this, this is a weird offseason already for that team, and it's going to be a weird start of the season next year after the only thing great and not weird about last season for them was the start of their season. They were the best team in the NFL halfway through
2: the season. Last team unbeaten. And then it fell apart. Last team unbeaten. Yep. And Murray was playing like a MVP-type caliber player through the first half of the season. And now they, they're potentially without him for a, a good portion of the season. It could be eight weeks because it's at, it's six games. So if they have a bye week, and reading on this last night, if they have a bye week in the first seven weeks of the season, he doesn't return until October 29th at the earliest because it would be week eight if, if for some random reason they have a bye week in week six, week seven, wherever it might be. And they could. It is the first six games um, not the first six weeks of the regular season. So believe who you want here, but the Hollywood Brown trade, I definitely believe that the Cardinals knew this was coming. Absolutely. 100%. They knew something was up when they made that move. The NFL uh, has made their their first uh, ruling on the tanking claims, and it's not with the Miami Dolphins. It's with the Cleveland Browns and Hugh Jackson's claims that w- whenever he jumped on the the pile, so to speak, saying, yeah, oh, I, I was – I was asked to, to lose on purpose, too, in Cleveland. The NFL has said that Hugh Jackson's claims from Cleveland are unsubstantiated. Um, this is the first response to what will be a larger response with the Miami Dolphins. I mean, and I what think Brian Flores has accused them of.
3: I think Hugh Jackson should pay the legal fees to the NFL for making that claim, uh, for wasting their time on something that he couldn't even be bothered to meet with the league investigators about. Something that bothered him so much for all these years that the great Hugh Jackson was asked to lose football games in the NFL because we all know he's such a great coach, but yet he couldn't even meet with investigators to say exactly what happened. You know why? Because he's lying. He wasn't asked to lose games. They didn't tank. They didn't do anything. He sucks.
2: They didn't have to this lose This is so purpose. clear.
3: He is so bad and he's trying to cover for himself. So he fires off at the lip in some podcast or show and says, oh, well, I was offered uh, bribes also to, to lose games. And I was asked to do things to tank when I was with Cleveland. And then they go and investigate. You got, you got Jimmy Haslam basically doing a victory lap before the results come out and say, <laughs> I believe that we're going to be vindicated by the league's investigation once all this comes out. And I find out now that Hugh Jackson can't even meet with the league after making this claim. The, the league should give him the bill. I, I'm not exaggerating. That is ridiculous. They interviewed. You forced an investigation with some big-time accusations against the team and an owner, and you had nothing to back it up, so much so you couldn't even meet with the league. He should pay the legal fees for the NFL for this because they wasted time on all of this because he couldn't even meet with them to back up his own claims.
2: It's ridiculous. The league said in a statement, these allegations that Hugh Jackson publicly recanted shortly after were made um, and that we've known all along are categorically false. As we've previously stated, we welcome this investigation because the integrity of our game is something that should not be taken lightly, and an independent review is crucial in bringing a conclusion to this matter. Now, Jackson initially agreed to meet with investigators and then did not. Meanwhile, Jimmy Haslam was interviewed, and they also, through this independent team, I'll put independent in quote, quote, unquote, they spoke with current and former members of the organization. Now, I I tried to find last night who who those people were, I couldn't find the list of people they interviewed. But if you're not with the organization any longer, to me, you don't have much to lose in just telling the truth. Um, And if you can't prove something, I don't know why you come forward if you're Hugh Jackson. If you can't, the the difference between that and Miami is Brian Flores says there's, there's more proof coming through his attorneys. They're saying they're sitting on more proof that he was asked to lose on purpose and would have been paid to do so. Clearly, there was no paper trail whatsoever. If this did occur, no paper trail whatsoever, which means you can't prove it, which means the league does nothing but say that your, your claims are unsubstantiated. But
3: even if it's his word against Jimmy Haslam's word or whatever, I have a lot more respect for the man after making his claim if he just meets with investigators and tells his story. right? If you're going to make this accusation, at least say, here's what happened, we were in a locked room, And Jimmy Haslam came to me and said this, this, and this, and joked about, boy, if you lose these last four games, then we're going to get you. Whatever it was, even if it's just your word versus theirs and you know that deep down you can't prove it, to me you lose all respect when you make an accusation. And it's not like it's criminal. You know, No one's facing jail time here. The league's going to come talk to you. And you declined to speak with the league they after making that accusation, had, and
2: here's, here's, which tells me he's lying. Well, here's what makes it laughable: that you don't have to you don't have to pay Hugh Jackson to lose. They went one in thirty-one in his tenure as head coach of the Cleveland Browns. That included the off-season where the Browns were named the Super Bowl winner of the off-season. Uh, I was in Cleveland for Week One of that game. The Titans were on the road in Cleveland, and you would have thought they were going ahead and planning their you know, their, their parade going into the season for the Super Bowl year with Baker Mayfield and, and all this. And you, you get there, 2019, and they have like 18 penalties. They set a franchise record for penalties in week one. That's not tanking on purpose. That's poor coaching. That's poor leadership. And ultimately, that's why he's shown the door, not because – I mean, I, I went through – he would have been paid $3.1 million for every loss. Uh, if you combine, if if it's the same offer that Brian Flores was getting in Miami, why would you why would you complain about that? A three million dollar bonus to lose.
3: Yeah, it's, it's None of it adds up. And him not meeting with the league shows that he's not telling the truth on this. He was fired because he didn't win,
2: exactly, not because he lost. Well, and
3: and Brian Flores was fired because he couldn't get along with anyone. Ultimately, I mean, he couldn't keep a coach on his staff. He was losing coaches left and right. was—it was was so much turnover with that. That, That's why he got fired. And until I see the evidence that they keep teasing that proves otherwise, I, I don't know what we're doing here. Because you've right now got what appears to be a very frivolous lawsuit from Brian Flores that claims racism, yet there's not one bit of information that he's thrown out there or his legal team that shows racism. Now, he's made a very big claim about being bribed to lose games, if that's true, and he has receipts on that, that's going to be very bad for Stephen Ross and the Dolphins. But there's also not one bit of anything in there that shows me this would have happened. Uh, that wouldn't have happened with a white coach as mm-hmm. opposed to a black coach if they were there with, with the Dolphins. So Hugh Jackson jumps on that because he's asked about the, uh, the 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 claims by Brian Flores. Claims the Browns did the same thing. So now the NFL has gone off in this direction and, and they've investigated the Browns, but the Flores thing continues. Their legal team continues. we got a lot of other people that are going to jump on this lawsuit. So far, there's been two that have jumped on the lawsuit, Ray Horton and Steve Wilkes, who I still don't see what they can claim would be racism in any of this. So I guess the emphasis now goes to the Flores team to show the receipts that you've been claiming you have.
2: Yes, and this that there's more information out there. And this investigation with Mary Joe White continues. Uh, that's the that's the independent investigation led by her and her team that's looking into both of these allegations. This one uh, viewed as uh, unsubstantiated uh, from from the NFL's uh, point of view with with Hugh Jackson in Cleveland. Um, we won't recap the finals of the NHL playoffs last night. Chad, I know you're not watching them yet, and I don't blame you. They just got underway. But the NHL, they just play a different style early on. The NBA, for the most part, I mean, some of these, some of these series are closer than what you may expect. But I'm with you. I'm watching, I'm watching Memphis Golden State. I'm not paying much attention to Milwaukee right now. Uh, and that's with Giannis playing. I'm still not interested in watching them this early on in the, in the postseason. Uh, the NHL plays a different style. And, it, and I, the final score was 4 nothing. So I didn't stick with this game. But the first period last night, um, as I'm sitting there and watching St. Louis and Minnesota, they are getting after it. Let the bodies hit the floor. Um, if you want to be entertained with just physical playoff style of hockey, um, it's not Game 7 worthy. But Game 1 of that series, uh, where St. Louis went on the road and won 4 nothing, it was electric and it was fun. Watch it for about 10 minutes, and if you're not entertained, you can blame me.
3: I think that the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs does a great job of... um, Hockey is a sport that it's always intense because if you're not with it, you get hurt. If you're not completely in it when you're playing, then you're going to get hurt, injured pretty quickly. So there's always a certain level of intensity, but it ratchets up just enough early in a game. In the playoffs, especially if there's bad blood in the middle of a playoff series, and they series, both play the style, it's entertaining fits this well. The way I would describe the NBA is, you can't always tell the difference early on in a playoff game, but if you're watching the last ten minutes, like on Sunday with with Memphis and Golden State, there's a big difference. Well, that, that the intensity game of was that, great. yeah, and and not there are some games that are good, but I'm saying if you just want to tune in, you can tune into the start of a hockey game and see the intensity. You tune
2: into the end of an NBA playoff game. And you see the added intensity with that game. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360 if you'd like to chime in. Coming up, Ryan Tannehill has chimed in. He's talked with the media for the first time this offseason. We will recap what he had to say. He talked on uh, the A.J. Brown departure during the draft, during round one, the addition of Traylon Burks, and him saying that he's not going to be a mentor uh, for Malik Willis. That's not his role that he's playing. We'll get into all of that and more coming up on Outkick 360. First, though, let me tell you about Aurora Nutriscience, a trusted partner that keeps us at Outkick 360 mentally sharp and healthy with their vitamin supplements. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. com is the website. V i d a V-I-D-A-Lifescience.com is where you can see more information Our OutKick360 season ticket holders receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. But here's Aurora. Unique, cutting-edge, nutritional and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes. And that ensures more absorption, greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. VitaLifeScience.com for more info. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360.
1: V-I-D-A, VitaLifeScience.com.
2: Coming up, some NFL teams have invited some hoopers to minicamp. We'll discuss that strategy. And later, Kelly Harper, head coach of the Lady Vols, on the show from a conversation that we had with her last week here at Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smokey Moonshine. Ryan Tannehill hits unmute. Uh, he has been muted since the playoff loss to the Cincinnati Bengals back in January. where They bowed out 1916 at home for the second consecutive year at Nissan Stadium. And haven't heard from him since that evening. And uh, he was over at uh, the practice facility today. Paul was there. Uh, Paul, your big takeaways. We're about to run through them. Uh, but overall, what was the the sense you had from the quarterback who now has a legitimate backup option behind him?
0: Honestly, I think he did pretty well answering a lot of questions that had um – an aggressive edge to them, if, if you will, um, because we hadn't heard from him since the podium session post-game Cincinnati game, which he had a huge hand in losing with the three interceptions, said he was tortured, you know, a lot of sleepless nights, um, you know, a, a, wo- a, a, a scar now, a wound then, fuel now. Um, I think he said a, a lot of the right things. A, to, a touch of defensiveness, which you get from him, uh, I think, unexpected. Uh, the one question I asked was, was particularly um, worded in a way that I think Chad will, would appreciate because the optics have been such a question about the, the, the social media post on the boat and all of that.
3: I liked your question about the contract, too, and how it affected A.J. Brown. Yeah, not getting.
0: And I think his answer is reasonable there, too. I mean, you negotiate your contract to get the most that you can get. Um, but you know, everybody in the league does that except Tom Brady, really. And you count on the team to figure it out. It's on the team to figure out the the cap stuff and everything. It's not on the player. Um, And I think he took a couple questions like that, like where he's in an awkward position. We'll get into what he said about Malik Willis. I don't think he deserves to be bashed for it, but I know he'll be bashed for it, so we'll get into that. But let's start with the optics. I mean, I think we all agreed the optics were lousy. The, The two weeks of OTAs when they're conditioning and lifting and stuff are not that big a deal. They are a bigger deal when you just quarterback the team to a devastating playoff loss for the second year in a row. You threw three interceptions as the number one seed. You didn't show up at Locker Cleanout Day to talk to the media. And in the two weeks that you weren't around, um, you, you put out tweets with you on a boat, fishing and, and unwinding. And another one that we didn't get a chance to talk about playing 20 questions with your wife in um, some sort of thing. So this was a longer answer that started with that question. And then I followed up asking specifically, specifically about the optics.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm working. Just because I was at home, wasn't what doesn't mean I was, uh, you know, relaxing. <laughs> you know, I'm working. I'm i throwing. I'm I'm running. I'm getting myself mentally and physically ready to go. I'm having conversations with Todd, making sure I'm on top of all the information that, that the guys are 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 getting. Um, you know, we've been through it the past couple of years of of no offseason, of, of kind of a shorter offseason last year where I was just here for OTAs and. Um, you know, I've kind of figured out that one one size doesn't fit all for for the offseason program, and I to kind of know what I need to do mentally and physically to, to get myself in the best position to to go in with a full head of steam into August and training camp and, and into the season, and uh, you know that's what that's what I do. do
2: So there's Tannehill on the optics. I don't don't need to hear him talk about last offseason, the previous offseason during COVID restrictions and uh, regulations. That carries no weight right now uh, on any facility across the NFL.
0: He went on to talk, I I thought this included that, about the optics. You know, he said, I I I haven't even been on the boat. I have uh, house renovations going on, and the best place for me to be was with my family the last two weeks. I haven't been on the boat. We took that picture in March. Or whatever, which I presume is the answer, but the optics are bad to send it out during those two weeks well, then is what I was asking. Admit, right. that
3: it's, you, admit that it's stupid, whoever posted it. I mean, whoever decided to post it during a time where he could have been with his team and new passing game coordinator, that person should be off his social media account. I mean, it's okay it for him been to admit, hey, I wasn't there
0: at that time. Just to clarify, couldn't have been with this new passing game coordinator. He could could he weeks. have talked to him? I don't think so. Can't do anything this week. Then starting, why is he talking about –
3: we'll get to the other quotes then.
2: Well, that, that's Because he that's says completely something that false, jumped out to me. Because Vrabel admitted in the Rich Eisen interview that he had seen and talked with A.J. Brown.
3: And Brian Tannehill – Casual in passing. But Brian Tannehill says, I believe in that right
2: there. I've been talking with Todd.
3: I've been working out, talking with uh, Downing right. about everything. Right. And then later he says, oh, yeah, I met Tim Kelly yesterday. Had <laughs> our first conversation. That's not doing everything you can do. I'm sorry. No, I, I think it's bad you're, you're form You're talking to your old him. offensive coordinator, but you can't pick up the phone and call your new passing game coordinator, and you're missing time where you could at least be in the build? I, I just – yeah, okay. We'll keep going with the quotes. It's
0: bad form by him. So, talking about the depths of where he went in terms of reacting to the loss, he said, you know, I talked to people, I did this, I did that, I, I – went to therapy and he said it very casually and everything I th- that therapy struck me. And so I asked him, um, you know, is this the first you've went to therapy or have you been to therapy before or did this loss create, um, a situation where you sought out, uh, therapy as uh, t- to help you for the first time? This was his answer to that.
4: No, I've, I've, you know, been doing that, um, for a little while now. Um, but definitely, you know, I think, uh, this is the first time that probably I absolutely needed to pull me out of a, a dark space.
0: That's big enough that NFL network texted me, uh, private messaged me and asked if they could use that, um, that and a Malik Willis answer we'll get to now. Drew is, is going to draw some national attention. Um, you know, I, I, that buys him some sympathy, obviously, from a certain set. I think it's just normal everyday behavior for somebody that, that goes through a, a dark time. Uh, I don't think it's a particularly big part of the story, but I think it's going to be a particularly big part of the story. Well, my,
2: it, before we blow this up out of proportion, the Titans were so concerned with uh, his dark time that they didn't include him on the A.J. Brown trade and didn't include him on drafting the quarterback Yeah, for mental stability. Well, so let, let's not jump to conclusions here on where the quarterback is mentally.
0: Yeah, he's not that big a part of, of uh, the organization that he gets advanced news of what's going on. He was talking to A.J. Brown about what was going on, and here's his reaction to what ultimately happened with A.J. Brown being dealt to Philadelphia.
4: Um, you know, obviously, professionally it hurt. You know, top target, you know, heck of a football player made big plays for, for us consistently over the last three years. Personally, it hurt. You know, AJ's a good friend. I have a lot of um, great times, great memories on and off the field with him. Um, just not being able to see him see him on a daily basis is going to be different. It's going to be hard. Um, you know, happy to see him, you know, get get um, get what he wanted. But at the end of the day, it hurts. Man, it hurt. um,
0: and um, finally, you know, you know, there was a couple, a couple different sections of questions about Malik Willis. Said, you know, welcomes him to the room, um, you know, knows the team's going to do whatever it takes to, to get better. Didn't take offense to them not telling him what was going on or anything like that. But I think this, a, a clip of this quote is going to uh, get a lot of steam.
2: Uh, There's Tannehill.
4: Yeah, texted Malik right after, right after we drafted him as well. Um yeah, I wasn't wasn't informed of that beforehand, but uh same thing with AJ, right? The team's going to do the best thing that they that they think is is best interest of the team and um you know, I have no problems with Malik and you know, we're looking to add talent and and um guys that can help us. So, um you know, we'll, we'll add him to the room and, and go from there. Yeah,
0: that's the wrong clip. He said, "I'm not I don't think it's my job to mentor him uh if he you know, absorbs things from me along the way. That's great, and that'll be how it works. I I don't think it's my job to mentor him. I don't think it's his job to mentor him either. I mean, I think you naturally mentor a guy if you're just doing the right things. I think coaches coach and players play, but I think people will hear that from him, annoyed with how he played last year and how he finished last year and feel like that's him rebuffing the idea of Malik Willis and really take offense well, so that, exactly and that's how Twitter's taking I it. I think already. that's
2: exactly what it is, and I think it's completely fair. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has not been a leader this offseason, and this comment is another example of that. You don't have to mentor the draft picks coming in, but the quarterback making thirty million with the backup, chances are he's mentoring Logan Woodside, and that's it's it, it's because he poses zero threat. They're competing; both have acknowledged that they're competing. Um, and that's the truth behind it. Um, if you asked Ryan Tannehill last year, are you a mentor for, for Logan Woodside? The answer would be yes. Yeah, you're right. And so it's completely fair for all the local media that immediately want to jump to say, oh, I didn't think of anything of this. I haven't heard a leadership quality of Ryan Tannehill this offseason. I haven't heard it because he hasn't talked until today.
0: Not everybody's going to be the extreme of Alex Smith, who was incredible. Doesn't, with, with, doesn't uh, have to let be let that let, guy. let me finish the, uh, the, the quality he was Joe with Mahomes. Um, but he doesn't have to be Chris Chandler, who was intentionally telling Steve McNair wrong stuff yeah, and he, trying to screw him over. And he's,
2: he's also not Joe Flacco, who did the exact opposite of, of what Tannehill did, which is text the guy. Uh, Lamar Jackson tried to reach out to Joe Flacco, and he wouldn't return his calls or, or, or text him back. Um, but again, I, I go back to the leadership qualities. Leaders lead. And I've seen that from Ben Jones, and, and I've seen that from Kevin Byard this offseason, to name two guys. I can't name the quarterback in that same yeah. sentence.
0: Add Christian Fulton, um, who, who uh, talked today, and uh, even NWI, You know, a, a number three receiver at best right now who you know, said all the right things and, and talked about mentoring young receivers behind him. Now, as he becomes, you know, with A.J. Brown gone, uh, higher up pecking order, he's he's taking what he can get from Robert Woods and he's passing down what he can to to guys like Phillips and uh, and Burks, who were newcomers.
3: So awareness to me is a pretty big attribute of a quarterback. Uh, and And most people hear awareness, think on field awareness of the pocket, awareness of what's going on in the game, all of that. One of the top qualities. Ryan Tannehill has shown a complete lack of any awareness all offseason, and that continued today throughout his comments. I'm sorry, but you do not need to say that it's not my job to be a mentor of Malik Willis because if you are talking about the team and improving the team, I hate to break it to you, Ryan, it is your job to instruct him on the offense because he is your backup quarterback. And if you go out, if the team is going to win without you, that quarterback needs to be ready. So that is part of your job. And you were paid very, very well to do that job. Your first job is to play quarterback, but part of being the quarterback is being the leader of the team. So I do not want to hear about you're not a mentor to Malik Willis. Now, if you want to, you know, let's cut it up and say, well, what does mentor mean? What, you know, He's not going to withhold information on the offense from it. Whatever. Don't say it. I'm not, I'm not saying that Ryan Tannehill should say, hey, here's how you take my job, kid. I'm going to give you all the secrets and all this. Don't go up there and say it's not my job to be a mentor. That should not be spoken. In this press conference. I'm sorry, it shouldn't it, be.
0: He said, I don't think it's my job to mentor. That, that, it the is room his, cringed when he said
3: it. It is his job to make sure that his offense is ready. That's my point with this. Now, you, we, can, we can use semantics here and all that. Part of that is being a mentor to the backup quarterback, whether you like it or not. And I, I could tell with his posture and the way he answered it. He doesn't like Malik Willis getting drafted. At any point in this draft, and or AJ getting traded. Right and, does, and I don't blame him on the AJ like part. That. and doesn't and I get it. I mean that's human nature. He doesn't like the third round pick coming in that everybody thought was going to be a first-round pick that's going to compete with him and challenge for his job. But you are the starting quarterback. No one is questioning that right now. Going into the 2022 season, you are the starting quarterback. You are the leader of this offense. You should be. So you have to lead. You have to let the kid in, make sure he's ready. And help him with the offense. That is part of your job. And I don't want to hear otherwise from anyone about it. That is part of your job as a leader, not just quarterback, but leader of the offense. There's way too much talk about, and I heard this a bunch from Ryan Tannehill today. Well, the player's got to do what's best for the player and the team's got to do what's best for the team. You are the team right now. You are the team. You are the quarterback of the team. You are the highest paid employee of the team. And the leader. That's you. Stop separating all of them. I'm glad A.J. Brown got what he wanted. It's okay to be a little bit angry about all of that, too. I'm I'm fine with that, but I'm tired of the separation of all of this. Ryan Tannehill should be the Titans. Not Ryan Tannehill. Not a guy that's going to keep Malik Willis at a distance and not help him be a backup quarterback, which he is right now. He needs to be the leader of this offense. He hasn't, I agree Hutton with your comment, he just hasn't been a leader since the season ended, at all.
2: I've seen no example of that, and and that that to me is what I saw in the playoff loss. The only the only thing that I really took away, like I, I, when I heard him say, it, "I'm like, yeah, he's he's at least on the right track with this." He said, "It's my job to play my best football in January," so he knows that he's judged whenever the playoffs roll around. Yeah. And yeah, I, I like that. That's where he killed si- since he's been here, he has not been a playoff quarterback. Um, they went on that playoff run. He wasn't asked to do all that much. That's not his fault, but when he was asked to step up for the last two years, he did not. Um, And in last year's case, he contributed to the other team getting a huge advantage despite the defense from the Titans giving him an all-playoff caliber effort.
0: And that 60 minutes against Cincinnati, he had an absolute chance to shape his image. He was at, uh, the people nationally didn't think so, but locally we knew it. He could craft who he was because, yep. uh, you know, circumstances up to that point weren't entirely him. Um, but that game was his to go win. Um, nine sacks on the other side, home field throughout the playoffs. You're one game away from hosting the AFC Championship game, and he pooped the bed.
2: Well, in the year prior, he, he was three for six passing in the fourth quarter yeah, as Lamar bad. Jackson got his first playoff victory yeah, of his it career. It was
0: bad, but everything was bad that day. Well, People were dropping balls. Arthur Smith had a bad day play calling. Baltimore really figured them out. I don't feel like Cincinnati figured them out in a way that forced him to play badly. It, well, you they agree, figured Baltimore, They were
2: calling what was coming when yeah, they're mic'd uh, up. Uh, they knew exactly what was coming, and Todd Downing is to blame Particularly
0: for that. on that one play. But the Titans could have won that game offensively had they played a little smarter, particularly him. Baltimore, I felt like, shut the Titans down in a massive way. Well, here's, the way Baltimore often does to the Titans. Well, here's what's been Nashville.
2: shut down. Derrick Henry. Yes. And, and whenever, and whenever an Tannehill has been, uh, he's the next option, he doesn't, doesn't play big it. in big moments. No, even during a regular that's, season. And that's the same thing we were saying in January after the loss that we say today and that tone has flipped all of a sudden whenever there's access now inside the locker room and coaches are talking to the media again and Tannehill's at the podium. Uh, I, stay, I stand firm on this. It, he has not been the playoff quarterback. And they drafted Malik Willis in part because of that. They can say, oh, the value in the third. Uh, look, uh, there was value on the board for the Baltimore Ravens and they had a high rated quarterback and they took him off the board because they don't need a quarterback. The Titans do. And by the way, Tannehill knows this. Based on his contract, uh, I'm sure his agent has laid this out for him. After this year, there are ways to get out from underneath the contract. And it's no coincidence that they drafted a quarterback that needs a year to progress within this system as they prepare to run a different system than what they have now with Ryan Tannehill. And this is
0: the main scare scare for 2022. We don't know what Derrick Henry is going to be. He came back for that one playoff game. The foot is a scary injury. It's also probably the beginning of wear and tear on Derrick Henry. If Derrick Henry isn't a 1,600, 2,000-yard guy this season, well, you just gave away your best receiver, and we just said when you turn the game to focus it on Ryan Tannehill and he's throwing 30 passes instead of 20, things go south. You need Derrick Henry to be good again and the defense to carry you. We can count on the defense, you're pretty sure.
2: Well, But let's add we don't one know more.
0: yet what Henry's going let's to be add, Let's
2: add one more. It's not small, but it's, it's often forgotten. Robert Woods has to be healthy.
0: Yeah. And that That's might a be a That's a key with while. all this.
2: As mm-hmm. the Titans
0: like to do, that might be a while at the beginning of the season before he's there. Um, I would so. hope not. Because it
2: was around the trade deadline. It was the trade deadline. It was the Wednesday after the trade deadline. Because it was right deadline. after they got Odell. Um, Odell Beckham Friday. signed. Um, he, he did it on Friday. Well, he wasn't traded. He was just unrestricted free agent. So I'm trying to remember the timing of it. But he signed, and literally uh, a day later, they placed Robert Woods on IR. Um, am I thinking that correctly? The day after? The trade they-
0: deadline was a Tuesday, and Robert Woods hurt the ACL that Friday.
2: And went on IR before the next game, so it, he's he will have ample time to get back. But the there, it's a there different position setbacks, than Lawan, right?
0: And 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 Simmons and uh, and Dupree were right. A lot less space to cover, a lot less cutting and dramatic stuff. I think more likely with the receiver to have maybe minor setbacks along the way. A lot more, you're asking a lot more of him on that knee than you're asking of those other guys. I know there's push and torque for those other guys. But here you're asking a guy to to run and sharp cut and carry stuff. Look, they've dealt with every variety of ACL. Here's another one.
2: That's crucial as they try to keep up with the AFC while also planning for the future. It's a a very difficult balancing act they have to do this offseason based on the moves they've made. And a lot has to go right. They had a lot go right last year too with their injury situation. And And they still won games.
0: The coach is one of the reasons things go go right. But you also have a feeling like some of it is good fortune. And how long do you get good fortune to go your way in the NFL? Teams don't string good fortune together as long as the Titans have uh, very often.
2: Hit us up on Twitter with your thoughts at Outkick360. Coming up, more discussion across the NFL. We'll dive back into this as well. We're about 15 minutes away from John McClain recapping the draft. He'll give us uh, his big winners and losers from the weekend And when we come back, the new idea, well, it's not new, but we've seen it twice now this offseason, of teams looking the basketball route immediately with no experience on the gridiron since Pop Warner. That's next, And now kick 360.
4: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
2: So we've, we've seen this before. This is not new. The basketball player getting an opportunity in the NFL. But Antonio Gates, Antonio Gates, the Patriot saint. It's um, uh, it's also I think it's smart. I mean, you've got ninety people that you can bring in, and for the veteran minicamp, can't you? When do you have to declare that for the rookie minicamp? You can bring in, but you can add in like I don't know what the exact number is, Paul. But if you have the the, the veteran minicamp or the, the, let's say team minicamp, aren't there like five or six? Tryout spots that don't count against your roster yeah, for not, like two or three days.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not sure about what it is for the veteran minicamp. You can have tryouts, I think. For rookie minicamp, you absolutely can have tryout right, guys. Right. A number, and that's what this um, is. Yeah, and then then after that, you know, if you sign a couple of those guys, you cut a couple guys to, to make up the difference up to
2: ninety. So Malik Smith is is a uh, he was at he attended the Ohio State Pro Day. He's a basketball player who's been working this off season with JerMichael Finley one on one, the former tight end on route running and uh, overall athleticism and leverage for his position. He attended the Ohio State Pro Day enough to get the Browns to invite him to rookie minicamp. Uh, brilliant move on his part, very. brilliant. But it's not a storyline that I thought would catch on uh, like I I would have bought into you know a decade ago. I think it's, we're finally starting to see more of this. The Jags are doing it, too. It's been
0: a while since it hit, um, though, hasn't it?
2: Yes, yes. But you're, I'm, I'm, just, I'm thinking body type, maybe 6'6", 265. I mean, that's, that's a prototypical tight end size. He has not played since Pop Warner, um, but yet he's getting an opportunity here. I'm, but, I'm all for it. Are
3: we talking about Santos Silva going to Cleveland, the Browns? Oh, Santo Silva from he Texas had a
0: Tech, different name.
2: Uh, Malik Smith.
3: Okay, Santo Silva was the guy I was thinking about that I watched in the tournament um, from uh, Texas Tech. Have you seen this guy, Marcus Santo Silva, who's going to be tight in for the Browns? Is um, a monster, the real deal of a dude. If you're yes, at the back
0: physically. end here, I mean, you're not even talking about a uh, 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 any guaranteed money. He's not six even a seven two fifties. Uh, you just bring them in, you run them around. I mean, th- these 90th guys in a lot of rosters have no business. Uh, they're hoping a prayer. I, so you might as well take a hope and a prayer on a guy that you're. You remember pretty Trey, much training uh, from Nobury? He's got
2: great hands. Was it bring Trey him Thompson? I'm trying to think of the Titans draft pick years ago who was a, a tight uh, He was a was defensive a, end. He was from SMU. Then they tried to flip him to tight end. Yeah. And he was. It Thompson, not, I think, was his last Taylor, Taylor Thompson. Thompson. Taylor Thompson from
3: SMU. Yeah, he was terrible. Did so, not work. But. It, this is what I love about basketball guys, and you saw this with Drake London. What do they immediately show when he gets drafted? He had a 540 dunk. Uh, he was a great basketball player. And the ball skills of rebounding, and receivers especially, and going up and getting it. Marco Santos Silva was a great rebounder at Texas Tech. That does translate. Now you can laugh at it and say, well, he doesn't know the leverage and blocking and you know how to run an offense. That's all true. But if you have athletic intelligence, you can learn these things, and you could find another Antonio Gates. Yeah. It doesn't happen every year, obviously. It is a long shot.
0: He's not playing this year. But it's worth it. practice
3: squad. You could watch a guy. I mean, there's been plenty of stories of college football coaches who've recruited someone off the basketball court. They went to their high school basketball game because that's when they could go recruit, and they might offer someone based off their basketball film and what they see athletically in basketball. These traits do translate. So I'm rooting for the guy. I I hope it works out because I think anything that adds creativity to the game is good for it.
0: Yeah, I'm all for it. I mean, there are a million, I call them scrubs, at the back end of NFL rosters. Once in a while, there's a diamond in a rough, but it's very rare. So take a traits guy. That's what these guys are anyway. The football player guys are traits guys. So, So are the basketball guys. Find a lacrosse guy. With, with great hands who could be in 10
2: times out of 10, the coach is going to say, you know what, I can coach this guy up. He's going to buy into his own philosophy and say, we can make this work, it fits our style. Yep. They're always going to say that. Always. So when the scout finds him and brings him to the coach, he gets an opportunity like what Malik Smith is getting from Ohio State. More coming on Outkick 360.